There's a really interesting paradox with running in a competitive setting. I think we've all been there on the bad end of a workout or a race or a season that just really isn't going well and you want nothing more than to pack it in and call it quits on running altogether. But when it does come time for you to take a break, whether self-imposed or otherwise, it often serves as a reminder of all the good things that come from stepping on the start line and all that comes before and after that moment. This week I have two guests who know those feelings all too well. Alex Wilkie got some really brutal news last year that brought his running to a screeching halt. We talk about staying positive and maybe a comeback for this gutsy runner in the near future. First though, Emily Setlack took a step back from the sport when she seemed to be on the verge of a breakthrough just a few years ago. She's back in 2016 with a Canadian Half Marathon and NACAC 10km Championship to show for her comeback. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Emily Setlack could quietly be one of the best women's distance runners in the country. She won both the Canadian Half Marathon Championship and the NACAC 10km Championship this year against some pretty solid fields. We caught Emily earlier this week at her home in Cold Lake. A big race for you in in Guadalupe, uh, winning the NACAC 10k Championships. You know, it looks like you made your move early. How did that race go? Did Did it go to plan? Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was um, a really good opportunity, and the island is beautiful, and the people I met were, like, really kind, and um, the race itself didn't really go as well as I had hoped. Like, I just um, kind of made a rookie mistake. I've been running for a while, but I guess I can still make mistakes. I started off too fast and didn't really um, account for the, the warm weather and the hills, and when I left Cold Lake, Alberta, it was minus five and when I got to Guadalupe it was 35 or 40 so I didn't really account for the heat too much (laughs) um I tried to break the race into segments mentally just to get through it towards the end because I found it so tough but yeah it was challenging (laughs) so would you say that that you're someone who who likes to have a, a strong start or or do you are you more of an even pace sort of person um, this spring when I raced, like I had a lot of fun just like going into races without high expectations and I kind of like sit back at the start and just kind of like move my way up and I prefer running that way. In the past, I've kind of been a front runner, but mm-hmm. I think it's better to run more conservatively at the start. So how did the whole uh, NACAC opportunity come up? Um, I got an email from about a month before the race from John LaFranco, who works at Athletics Canada, hmm. and he just told me that um, my time was, my 10K time on the roads, I think it was ranked at the time uh, second in Canada, hmm. so Lanny didn't want to go, and then I was kind of next on the list, and Natasha uh, was invited to go as well, but it was a pretty long trip for, for some people, so they just decided not to go, but it was too good of an opportunity for me to pass up. So, mm-hmm. I'd say it's it's really been part of what has been a really great year for you so far. I mean, you won the Canadian Half Marathon Championships in Calgary this year, uh, which a t- is a title that you're not unfamiliar with, uh, winning in 2010 as well. But, uh, you know, not really a whole lot of, you know, things going on in between 2010 and 2016. You know, where have you mm-hmm. been? What have you been doing? Yeah, um, uh, so my husband's in the military. He's an aerospace engineer with the Canadian Forces, so we move around a lot. And in 2011, we moved to England, and um, I left uh, 
the physical group and started training on my own for the first time. And um, I don't know, I think that like when I left um, in 2011, I was kind of on the cusp of like a big breakthrough, like my workouts were going really well and training was going well, but I was never able to like put it together in a race. Like races never really went as well as training did. And I got really frustrated with it. And I think I was focusing too much on like external outcome and rewards. And I expected things as opposed to like, appreciating the opportunity and being thankful that I could do it and I think that um, for me when you get into a place where you expect things too much it's I don't know it's not the same it takes away from it a little bit whereas now I'm just like so appreciative of every opportunity I have to race and run so I just have a different outlook Um, but I've also spent time like um, during the time off doing other things too like my husband kind of got me into we're in up cold lake Alberta now and um somewhat close to the mountains so he kind of got me into alpine climbing and doing like um multi-pitch climbing and I've stepped away from that in the past year because hmm. it started to do a bit better in running so I thought I should probably just focus on just running a little bit now hmm. going back to to Calgary and the Canadian half marathon championships this year uh you beat Chris Shane, Natasha Labode, Aaron Barrett uh, for the title this year amongst other really tough runners um, you know a lot of runners that, that Canadian running fans will, will definitely know uh, looking at that star list what effect does it have on you going into that race and you know what does the win mean for you afterwards yeah um, you know all the girls that were racing they're so talented and it's an honor to like just even line up next to like so many amazing runners but like, I really respect the people I'm racing against always, but to be honest, I don't care who shows up hmm. because to me, like, that's out of my control, like, who shows up and what their times are. To me, like, the only thing in control is, like, what what I can do and how I can run within myself. So my goal, like, whenever I race is to just not not worry about who's in the race and what place I come, but to just, like, focus on, like pushing myself as hard as I can and to try and get to that like dark place within a race where you surpass what you thought you were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. I think every race, you know, you reach a point where you have to make a choice whether you're going to like settle for where you are or whether you're going to like keep pushing to like go beyond like your brain telling you to stop. <laughs> and and I think the challenge sometimes with racing is even like recognizing when that challenge presents itself. Cause sometimes you're in so much pain, you don't even want to think about pushing any harder. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and to answer the second part of your question, like what did it mean to me? Um, after I won, like uh, when I raced this spring a lot, like I got pretty emotional after races. Like I usually don't, but the, the, three races I did like they just meant so much to me I guess because I started off the season thinking like I don't know yeah maybe I'll break like 35 minutes whatever like I just want to go and enjoy the opportunity and be part of the running community and just like enjoy every minute of this like you know running in Vancouver running in Victoria and Calgary and I just really surprised myself so it and all three races I ran like it they were kind of like magical for me I guess I know it sounds cheesy but they just like really shocked me and surprised me because I trained hard for so long and I felt like I was just hitting hitting a wall like I wasn't getting anywhere and the races I did in the spring like I kind of went beyond what I thought I could do so it was kind of cool for me 
It, you you mentioned the the whole dark place thing, um, you know, as as part of races, which is is you know very true, especially for the races that you're in. Uh, you know, the longer races, even even with the 10k races, um, you know, there's there's that point where you have to be really mentally tough and be really mentally prepared. How how big is that for you, being mentally prepared for a race, and and what do you do for for training for those sorts of things? Yeah, I think like. I think it's a really important component of training and racing, but I think like a lot of mental toughness is like, you know, getting at the door every day to go for your run when it's like cold and it's dark and you don't want to leave your house. Like that kind of is what develops mental toughness that'll kind of pull you through in a race as well. Because when you're racing, you're thinking back to like, like for me personally, when I'm really nervous on the start line, I think of, I remind myself of some of the workouts I did that went well or some of the workouts I did when, you know, things may not have been ideal, but I got through it. And yeah, I did a workout when my legs were tired at the start. So if I'm doing a race and my legs are tired, I can think back to that workout when things maybe didn't go as planned, but I still got through it and it went okay at the end. But um, I really like... Um, reading articles on like mental toughness and um being mentally prepared for races so sometimes before races to like calm myself down if I'm nervous I'll just like read articles or watch um videos on YouTube from from people like one guy I like to watch his videos is um Bobby McGee Mm -hmm. he talks a lot about it about um letting go of outcome and focusing more on like what you can do instead of being afraid of what you have to do in a race so yeah, I find that that really helps me personally. Switching gears a little bit, um, Running Room, it really t- is a store that really takes a lot of flack for being, you know, more for the, the yeah. hobby jogger, I guess you could say, um, in let's run terms, I guess. Uh, but you, like yeah. a, a ton of other athletes in the in the country, are sponsored by them and, and you get quite a bit of support by them. Tell me about your relationship yeah. with, with Running Room. Oh, like I have nothing but respect for Matt Normanton, who has developed um, the elite athlete program uh, through Running Room. I'm pretty sure he's the one who started it and established it. But he, like, people call Running Room like a jogging room. But really, I think it's pretty amazing what Running Room does. You know, they've if you look at what they do within communities, they get people started who have never run before, and they develop running programs for people. And beyond that, like Matt Normanton, with the Running Room Sponsored Program, like, he's developed the Saucony Running Series here in Alberta, um, and, like, Edmonton Marathon is supported by Running Room, Ottawa Army Run. Like, they support a lot of events uh, in Canada, and um, they support a lot of... There's quite a few athletes that um, Running Room sponsors, and Matt has really changed the, the sport for a lot of people. So, yeah, he's done a lot as his Running Room. Hmm. You know, you're from from Kingston, Ontario, originally, uh, which is also where Dylan Mikes grew up. Um, a lot of people know him as well. You know, yeah. I know that has it has a really great running community now with with Physicult and and the cross country nationals happening for the next couple of years. But what was it like mm-hmm. back then, as far as you know, meets go and and you know places for you to run? Yeah, there's you know what there are a lot of really great people in Kingston and. There's a really strong networking community of runners that, that, you know, wasn't really developed overnight. It's been, like, years and years. When I was in high school, like, Dave Grant um, was a coach, and he brought a lot of, he coached Dylan and I, he brought a lot of passion and excitement and, like, 
Asa was pretty much like the Olympics for us. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't really know there was anything beyond Asa, but yeah, no, it was it was pretty cool. And the community of um, running in Kingston is really unique. Like Steve Boyd's um, group, Physicals in Kingston, is pretty awesome. Like the Masters runners almost work as mentors for the younger the younger athletes. And mm. I, I personally have learned a lot from a lot of people in the in the physical group just from like running with them and asking some of the more experienced runners questions and yeah it's a really great great um community of running that's kind of established in kingston is there any chance that you'll be uh heading home to uh, to run in the cross-country championships uh just later this month yeah definitely yeah and and i'm really excited about it because um my my family is there, obviously, so it'll be a trip back to see them, and yeah, it'll be fun to race as well and see my nephews and my niece and my sister. So it'll be it, it will be good. <laughs> do you have any goals for the race? Uh I do, um, but like I don't know. I'm more more focused on like getting the most out of myself and pushing myself as hard as I can, and and we'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> You kind of touched on it earlier, but I see that you've done some some mountain running. In fact, you won a national title in that. What is that like? I think a lot of runners have kind of an an interest in it, but uh, you know, don't really know how to get into it. I mean, how does it that compare to you know regular racing? Yeah, um, mountain running is really fun. It's it's I would say it's different from regular road racing. When I I don't, I don't have a ton of experience, like. I, my husband and I go to the mountains every now and then and do like mountain long mountain runs. We used to not so much anymore, but um, mountain racing, like I would summarize it as it's more about like pain management. It hurts mm. like from the start, <laughs> start to finish. Whereas like, I feel like road running, it kind of like gradually gets more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband, Matt Zedlak just competed in like world mountain running championships in Bulgaria. And to give you an idea, it's like you cover like, 13 kilometers and you go up like 1400 meters so it's hmm. it's pretty tough but it's it's so those races are so fun like if you ever get a chance you, you'll, you'll have to try it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one last question you know from what i could find um your marathon pb is a is a 253 which you know taking a look at your half marathon speed and your 10k speed i would think that you could probably go you know a lot lower that is is that something that you'd be interested in more more marathon running I don't know. <laughs> I had such a bad experience when I raced the marathon. Like I had issues fueling and I didn't drink any water or take any gels. And I I just, for me, like I just thought like, why am I doing this? Because I'm going to have to take like a month off afterwards because my body's fatigued. And I just love running too much to like miss a month of training afterwards. But I don't maybe I'll try it again. But right now I'm just enjoying like doing tens and fives and halves. So mm-hmm. Maybe, but I don't know. I kind of enjoy the shorter stuff right now. <laughs> She's Emily Setlack. She's had one heck of a year so far, and uh, and I'll be excited to see what you can, can do at Kingston later this year. Yeah, thank you very much. I've said it before on the show, and I still stand by it. Alex Wilkie is one of my favorite runners to watch. His strength is truly in his guts and his willingness to take command of every race he's in. Unfortunately, last year Alex got some bad news and that has led to almost no running on his part. I sat down with Alex this week where he explained a little more in depth. 
Okay, so it's uh, about this time last year you uh, you won the OUA cross country title. Um, since then, you know you have a lot of people who who like to follow along with with your career and and your running and stuff. Um, tell me what what happened since then. Well, um, to be honest with you, uh, last year was both one of the most amazing sport experiences of my life, but also one of the most negative. Um, so shortly after OUAs, all that hype and um, all that excitement from that race, I went into CIs, and I was feeling pretty good. I mean, not gonna lie, like I I thought I had a a shot at winning the whole thing, um, and I guess about three k in, I started to have my hip problems, and not a lot of people knew about my hip problems until this point, outside of like the Kingston scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what goes on is I kind of lose coordination of my left leg um, and it starts with the hip and it kind of goes all the way down. And normally you try and bring your knee straight through when you're running, right? Mm-hmm. But I get this feeling where my knee comes way out to the outside and kind of does this like uh, concentric circle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to explain. But basically long story short, like – uh, I finished 31st at CIs, massive disappointment. I mean, it was my mom's birthday the day of the race. She had come down. It was her 50th birthday. Like there was all that going on. Like I was just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like I've ruined so much. Like, cause I was thinking Fisu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after CIs, um, I kind of said, okay, we gotta, we gotta get this sorted out. Like this isn't just a, a hard surface issue running on, uh, the track or pavement. Cause that's what we thought it was originally. Mm-hmm. It was like, I just need to work on my core or something because the harder surface, uh, just affects me more than cross country. But once it happened on the cross country course, I said, okay, I got to get this sorted out. And, um, Steve, uh, told me about his master's athlete, Colin Fewer in Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colin had a similar sort of problem with losing this coordination in his leg and, uh, it started with the hip and he actually went on to have hip surgery, um, in Toronto with this surgeon, Dr. Whalen and, uh, Dr. Whalen, I got in touch with him through Colin, which was a huge help, um, because his clinic is very booked up. And that was one of the things I noticed when I went down there, which kind of freaked me out before I went and saw him, was his clinic was full of like boomers, you know, like people like over the age of like 50. Mm -hmm. And I was like the youngest person there by like (laughs) 25 years or probably something like that. And um, so I go in and I I meet with him and we're looking at the images of my hip and stuff. And um, he says to me like, yeah, I don't – this isn't what – you think it is Um, because I thought I just had like a labral tear, right? And that was causing me problems. And you know what? I've heard of lots of people who had had the labral tear surgery and Collins had the surgery uh, to sort of shave down the head of his femur kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it more – that improves your range of motion. But he says to me, yeah, Alex, um, you have like ossification of your labrum. So there's calcification building up. in response to the weight bearing activity that you're doing. So like, I mean, it didn't really matter if I was a soccer player or a hockey player, but running kind of made this worse and sped up the process. And it's kind of a, a pre arthritis, uh, symptom 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of freaked me out because then I, I know I have a lot of arthritis problems in my family. And he didn't give me – he gave me like a – what I've, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the article. He gave me like a 30% chance of returning to the same level. But I mean that's not 0%. That's 30%. So I'm going to try and, you know, if I come back, you know, at all, I think it's it's a positive thing, you know, because the odds aren't necessarily in my favor at this point. But um, yeah, so that's kind of depressing. Uh but he said there is surgical there's a surgical option and i meet with him again next tuesday in toronto um and we're going to try and get a date for that surgery and i'm not entirely sure what the surgery entails but i believe he has to remove some of the calcification and he's thinking of putting in a graft from my hamstring so he cuts a piece out of my hamstring and puts that in hmm. and hopefully that'll act as the new barrier buffer between um the head of my femur and the capsule of my um, my pelvis. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a lot. I signed was a ra- big ramble, but <laughs> that's where I'm at. Hopefully next Tuesday when I go and see him, um, we get some good news about this date because I'm going to be at Queens next fall, um, for like my fifth year or whatever. And, uh, our team's looking really good. And if I can get this surgery by March, I think at the very latest, he told me it's like about a four-month recovery, no running. I think I can try and piece together something for next fall and hopefully help out the team in any way I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mentally, you sound just in, in a fantastic place. Um, you were mentioning a little bit earlier that uh, that going to OUAs, um, you know, it didn't affect you quite like you thought it would uh, and that you weren't, you know, super, super bummed not to be on the course. How, how do you keep up that, that positive attitude? Well, I mean, it's, I guess it's all I have left, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know, I know I'm terribly out of shape. Like, I mean, I, like I haven't kept up with my cross training probably as best I, I should have, but like my motivation, that kind of went out the window because I'm always looking forward to the next race or the next workout when you're, when you're actually running. And when you don't have that, it's just, it's really hard, right? So, I mean, this is the one thing I have to look forward to is this date next, next Tuesday. Um, and then hopefully I'll have another date after that. So, I mean, that was the other thing. Like my dad, my dad's so funny. Like when he was telling me, cause we're, we're just a suck for those, like, you know, it's like ESPN 30 for thirties mm-hmm. and all those kind of like motivational things in pro sports. And mm-hmm. I don't have the team of like doctors and stuff that a pro athlete would have. But mm-hmm. like one of the ones was like Peyton Manning was like my hero when I was like, in elementary school and high school and he had his neck injury before he went to the Broncos Mm -hmm. and not like a lot of people said, Oh man, like he's done. Like he can't come back. Well, he had the surgery and he did all the work and he came back and he went on to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos. And I mean, if you don't like, that's kind of like, I'm not going to say I'm going to come back and win a win CIs or win Nats or something, but it's just something you can try and like look at and say like, that's got to be the source of some form of optimism for yourself. And I think, I don't know, that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all I've got left is mm-hmm. my optimism, I would say. And I mean, obviously, okay, the team around me, everybody's been awesome. Like Brant and Steve, they always offer like a ride to whatever meet I wanted to go see. If I didn't come, that's not a big deal. But if I wanted to, it's it's there. And obviously like 
even fellow competitors in the OUA and the CIS, like I get messages from people all the time asking me how I'm doing. I mean, I get people, whatever, in the Canadian running scene asking me how, where I'm at. And um, it's a pretty cool thing. Like, And I think it's fair. I mean, for three years, nothing really could go wrong, it seems. Like, I don't mean to toot my own horn or anything, but like, <laughs> I really didn't have a negative sport experience, like in terms of running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's only fair that, you know, you have highs and you have lows, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's where I'm at in terms of my mental state. And I, I'm actually quite proud of it. I thought there were times, you know, like the day that I met with a surgeon in June, I thought, you know, what? like the first thing I said to my dad is like, man, this is over. Like, there's no way there's just no way that I'm coming back from this, but you kind of step back and you realize, no, there is a way. And lots of people have gone through much worse and, um, yeah, there's no need to overreact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that team, uh, that you described that, that surrounds you up in, uh, up in Kingston, uh, you guys, you guys must be super happy after OUAs this year. I mean, the men's team came in fifth, but it was, it was a real close fifth. Um, I mean, like they, they weren't too, too far off the podium. And then on the, on the women's side, I mean, that was just a fantastic performance. Uh, Absolutely, man. Like things, the feeling is really good here going into CIS. Like I think, um, okay, I'll start with the men's because Mm -hmm. I think guys like Winans, that course at OUAs doesn't suit a guy like that. Like Winans is a grinder. We have a couple of other grinders, like towards our back end, like Joey, um, even Gavin. I mean, for the most part, everybody on the guys team, I thought they ran really well. Um, but that course I think suits like mid D guys. And that's why part of the reason why I was like, man, I wish I was racing right now. Cause like <laughs> I could just see myself, you know, it's a course that kind of suits my abilities, but, um, yeah, like I was really impressed with the guys team and that's why I was like, Oh my God, like I've got to get back because our team is relatively young. We've got, uh, Miller and guys like Rob Kanko that have just broken, like made m- massive strides this year. And next year, um, I'm like, I just want to be a part of that. Right. Cause everybody's gonna be so much better. Rob Asselstein from SLC. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hopefully finishing up his, uh, civil engineering, like the last two years at Queens. Mm. So that'll just add like another massive addition to our, our squad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the feeling's good for sure. Uh, and on the women's side, I was so proud of Claire. Like, to well, I mean, it was awesome to see somebody from Queens win the race outright mm-hmm. uh, two years in a row. I was like, man, Claire, like getting the job done, just wicked finish there against Lucia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julianne, too, like nipping third right at the line. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls' team, I think. They have definitely uh, a shot at the po- like they're going to be on the podium. It just doesn't matter whether what spot it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like though Guelph is going to hold on for that top spot for sure on the women's side. Um, and the guys' side, I think, I mean hands down, I think Laval, it's their race to lose. Uh, but you never know. Like last year was such a surprise with the with Uvic, like just. Uh, stealing it, not mm-hmm. stealing it, like they deserved <laughs> it, but <laughs> like it caught everybody off guard, I think. And um, I'm interested to see how Western does again mm-hmm. uh, because they ran so well at OUAs and 
Uh, I really like the look of their team, and like there's a bunch of lads on that team. Like they just yeah, I they're a really tight new grip, tight knit group of guys. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. In terms of Kingston, like I'm sure Steve and Brant are. Uh, they I know they are. They're they're pleased with how things went last weekend, and we're looking to roll it into CIs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you mentioned that the uh, the OUA course was probably favored a little more. Uh, towards mid D guys, which which I would say is true. I mean, you had Tweedle up there, and uh, yeah, no, it was just really really solid like that. What do you think that uh, that the the Plains of Abraham course is, is going to be like? I yeah no I I think the Plains of Abraham course is going to suit grinders a bit more, but I'm not going to say that I don't think uh, Corey is going to. Do like he's not going to do as well as he did at OUAs or Tweedle because mm-hmm. I think those guys have really bought into the distance side of things. Like you look at Tweedle, he's a guy with just a killer kick, and so so is Darlington. Like, mm-hmm. and now you see them. What happens when a mid D guy kind of tosses in some mileage, and then you have just a friggin' powerhouse of a of an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. They got they they tick off all the boxes. So, um. I've never seen the Plains of Abraham course, but I know from uh, Archer uh, from his second year that it was muddy and it was just ridiculous. Uh, I think it was cold and just awful weather. And I I think it's going to give a better representation of uh, things than the OUA course a little bit. But mm-hmm. I, I that's just, that's being said, I'm not going to count out guys <laughs> that you know ran well because – um, you never know. And like everybody's, that's the thing, like any given week or like every, you don't know what's going to happen. Any given week, some guy could just go out there and just crush it or some whole team could go out and crush it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, everybody does the work as far as I'm concerned, like in, in the CIS, like there's nobody that's just flying by on talent. Like everybody trains hard and that's what makes it so exciting. Uh, you know, it's it's very open this year, and it's open in terms of the individual spots, I think, and for the most part, the team uh, spots as well. There's a there's a really good finish between uh, between Belmore and Tree. I mean, they they were really close together throughout the whole thing at at OUAs this year. Um, do you think that with the change of course, we could see those two flip? Um, possibly, uh, for sure. I think the race is going to go out just like it did at OUAs. Like, uh, but this time around, with that blazing speed at the start, you might see uh, some guys come back a little bit. Hmm. Now, Belmore won very easily. That's, I mean, like the majority of his move was made from like 800 to go to 500 to go, and then he kind of he kind of just jogged it in. But I would say because I got the impression from when I won last year that I think Kevin trained through the week pretty hard. Mm. And I maybe Corey did too. Like this this could be just Corey going out there and just slamming it like he did. But mm. it's it's so hard to tell. Um but I don't know. I think I think CIs that's why it's the big showdown because um you know, it's you got to do it two weeks in a row. OUAs is important, but it's not the big show. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and the course, I think, is going to tighten things up for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw you chasing down a tent at OUAs last year that was, that was flying in the wind. Uh, is that a potential career option for you? You know, uh, Chasing down tents? Oh, hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, 
I I did do a lot of running around the course that day, whatever, with my uh, with my Sheffer killed Harambe sign, mm. but um, like I'm cheering on people, obviously, but uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Like that was weird. It's we lost a tent similarly at Queens Open uh, the same way. It's mm-hmm. the it's the time of year, I guess. Those tents, the pegs that come with the tents are just crap as far as I'm concerned. They don't hold them down. I got you. I got you. Uh, he is Alex Wilkie, and, and man, uh, it's it's been rough. What's what you've been going through the last little bit? But uh, I th- I think the the feeling is pretty much universal that that we're all out there. We're all cheering for you, man, and and we we hope to see you back as soon as you possibly can. Thanks, man. I mean, uh, that's what this is all about. I, that's half the reason I do this is the community here. Um, no, it, everybody's been so supportive, and I can't wait to be back. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, Alex and Emily, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. Best wishes to Wilkie as he attends that appointment next week. I think we'd all like to see him back as soon as possible. If you want to find us on the web, we're on Twitter at the Terminal Mile, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, Tracky.ca. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.